0: Welcome to the Don't Die Podcast, sponsored by Aloe Treatment Centers. They're out in Malibu. They're in Silver Lake. It's a treatment center I started with some friends. We want you to get the right treatment, the right program for you, and stop dying. Stop dying, Chuck. It's you and me for the first time in a year, it seems like.
1: I haven't heard that in a long time. Mike's always
0: wanting to be a producer and get and get guests. I'm like, what's wrong with just me and Chuck talking about Nothing. heroin? Oh, I love oh. it.
2: Are you kidding me?
0: Heroin. Heroin.
2: Fucking <laughs> drug addicts talking about drugs.
0: Crack cocaine.
2: Can't get any better than that.
0: And recovery and the 12 steps.
2: Oh, that's yeah. good stuff. It is. Which is
0: oh. crack and heroin are good. I know that.
1: Well, Yeah, well, it's, it's all good <laughs> until it's not.
0: <laughs> well, what? How? here's the thing. Uh, so Mike and I were talking last night. I truly believe, and I'm becoming more and more convinced of it, that at least 75% of the people in treatment do not want to stop. They're not even in the contemplative stage. Three clients died last over the weekend. One committed suicide and two died of overdoses. And, and the idea that they're in treatment, insistent that they be abstinent from my, all mind-altering drugs, I believe is killing them. I believe treatment is killing young people. It's not, it's the last time I heard it's It's not deadly to be, you know, not motivated in life. It's not deadly to smoke weed. It's not deadly to just go about your meandering aimlessly life. Because millions <laughs> of Americans do it. Millions of Americans who aren't <laughs> drug addicts do it. So okay. what's wrong with the, this addict population, large segments of this addict population, just smoke weed and stop calling the 1-800 numbers.
2: <laughs> this seems to be a new direction in rehab. <laughs>
0: no, no, I, I no, because it just gets your heart hurts when, when people are in treatment and then... They die because they're in treatment. Really, if they hadn't have gotten, if they've hadn't a detox, they probably wouldn't have died. Unless it's some fentanyl r- ridiculous right. well, thing, but they wouldn't have died if they didn't go. If they if they didn't go to rehab. Mm. I'm starting to see this. It's it's crazy. I know, but that's what our fans love yeah, about no, me. No, I am fucking crazy. I, I'm, wait, I'm waiting. Chuck's to see. having a little bit of a
1: problem. I, I, I want to see how a. Plus B equals C. I don't, I don't see the direct connection. I mean, because a lot of them, I, I, I want to hear more.
0: Well, you had a client uh, last time we were together, just you and I, a month and a half ago, right? He was sober, and then the next day he was dead, right? I believe so. If he had remained addicted to opioids, that dose that killed him, or him using alone because he's ashamed of fucking up for the 900th time... Would he be alive?
1: I don't know. I don't know that you could... That's, there's so many moving parts in that. I, I can see where you're... I'm trying to get where you're thinking because well, a lot of times me, you look, say something, I don't get it, and then eventually I'll come around to it. I'm trying to see well, where... Why, the,
0: do, why are there 1-800 numbers, Chuck? To make money. Why are there rehab centers... Why are all the rehab centers for profit? To make money, right? Okay. So there's a financial a capitalist financial motivation to get anybody into treatment that calls the 1-800 number. And you know and I know and I've run 1-800 numbers. They're calling because they're homeless. They're not calling really to get off drugs. Those people go, those people you don't have to convince, those people don't do the back and forth. Those people know where the rehab are and they show up at eight o'clock in the morning and they ask if they can come in. Right. It's the it's the meandering kind of well, I mean, you can you can not follow me. I get it. Right. But I believe that the industry itself has a has a part in these tragic deaths and sober livings and and ama from rehab and die there's no way you can just bury your head in the sand and say that rehab had nothing to do with that no
1: but the idea of someone showing up somewhere at eight o'clock in the morning i don't think people have done that for 10 or 15 years everybody does everything on the internet first everybody looks up everything on their phone people don't know how to get from one place to another without their phone
0: after but the ASAM criteria, and I brought it up the other day and looked at it. ASAM criteria is very specific as to admission into inpatient treatment. And guess what? Physical, with, uh, physical addiction is not a part of it. ASAM is more about your quality of life. Is it negatively affecting in a dramatic, is it, is it I forget the word they use, but, uh, uh, you know, measurable. Um, negative effects on your work, school, ability to go to school or go to work, negative uh, 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 impact on your personal relationships, negative impact on your hygiene, negative impact on your ability to take care of yourself, right? All those personal hygiene survival things, right? Then it says, um, what, work, work, personal relationships, hobbies and interests, that's in there, and religious practice, are they all being negatively affected by your alcohol consumption, is where ASAM comes from, right? Okay. You would have to have established those things in a healthy way to be able to understand that alcohol consumption, or in our case, opioid use, is negatively affecting those okay. things. When you don't right. have any of those things, and you've never had any of those things, treatment... I don't know. I, don't, I just don't know. I'm questioning it. I'm questioning it. I'm questioning. Just like a LBGTQ, I'm questioning. Hey,
1: oh, You are a Q today, huh?
0: I'm questioning whether, whether, whether it's the right thing to do anymore. I think and the I, Q I, is I, queer, anyhow. Understand, the electricity that we're s- sitting in this house with is paid for by a for-profit rehab center. Mm -hmm. So I'm willing to start having conversations are, should there really be for profit rehab centers? Hmm. Is it morally right to have them? Is it morally right to become a multimillionaire as children in sober livings die who probably weren't motivated to be there. And if in the 1980s, if they were at the Betty Ford Center or Hazelden or Exodus, where the rehabs I frequented, I, they would be kicked out, right? So I, I don't know. And we've talked about that in, over the past couple of years. Um, kicking people out, knowing they could die, I'm saying that's how we got into this mess. We don't kick people out who aren't motivated because we're scared they're going to die, and counselors are codependent with them, and that, ownership that and ownership just wants them to sit in the head on the bed, right?
1: Most of the time.
0: Right. So, isn't it kind of morally or ethically sound to chart, start having these conversations? Like, do we need 3,000 rehab centers in Southern California?
1: Do we need them? I know we need more that are affordable. Absolutely, yes. We
0: need more cry helps and Medicaid, Medicare facility, medical facilities. We need more red gates. We need more Tarzana treatment centers. But I don't know that we need more of the shit that I do. <laughs> no, you know, and I'm willing to have that conversation. And I've had it with Chrissy. Like maybe this, you know, maybe this isn't the right thing to do anymore. How fucking honest can i be about things i can't take hearing that three kids died over the fucking weekend in a friend of mine's rehab three that's fucked up yeah right and i know it's not their fault i know that that we're all participating in something that is so ineffective and yet so profitable Chuck is hmm. really thinking right and, now. Yeah. I've and, known Chuck for a long time. He is really getting mind-fucked right, right now. Right,
1: Because <laughs> we were just talking about music. I was totally on a different thing about how, yep, oh, there's one of those it. guys in every coffee house. But um, not a lot of strummers left. And But it, there's a lot to chew on there. There's a lot to think about. I mean, like, we just went through our... Uh, Joint Commission thing—they don't like being called JCO anymore by the no, way. No, I like know. Being called joint Commission. You know
0: what? Because they're a fucking pay-to-play and they're right. a participant well, in, in all this corruption. And,
1: and when I worked, when I worked uh, building, you have control IMS control you Heard about
0: IMS and legit
1: it, script? Indigent medical services, or what is IMS? Because <laughs> no. that's what it was when I didn't have any medical insurance.
0: <laughs> IMS is you could do medical practices as a residential treatment center.
1: Oh. Well, the uh, it,
0: no, it's some sort of <laughs> new thing like Jacob. There's another new thing called Legit Script. I guess that started maybe two years ago. I didn't notice. Legit Script is some sort of regulating body that's trying to make money, and everybody's got to be registered by it, and all this kind of stuff.
1: Uh, another certification place at least i know when i was building electronic control panels ul underwriters laboratories would come in and there was a reason that they told us to do things it was so people didn't die when they bought our products right they made sure that the fusing I like was that. proper I like and that. they made sure that the wires were right for what we were doing and the voltages weren't crossed and all this shit and they wanted to help us make the safest control panels possible and they would come in and go you know what uh, this is our inspection. And I, I thought they existed just to, you know, pay themselves. They come in, charge $1,500, look at a couple panels, be there for a couple hours, but they tell me what I could do different, how I could save time, how I could save money and make a better product for the people. And I thought, wow, this is a cool thing. And that's what I thought uh, joint commission was, but it's not. Pay to play. It's a different, it's a whole new Remember
0: Gazari's? Remember when the, uh, there's a great documentary called Have You Seen the Documentary, Mike, about Melrose that that guy Desi Benjamin or whatever his name is
2: made? I'm uh, sorry. Yeah, he, I did. Yeah,
0: I loved it. You didn't like it? I didn't like it. Oh, I did. It was like reliving my childhood. But, anyways, in that thing, they're trying to say what destroyed the LA scene. And one of the things was pay to play. And when I watched it the other night, I thought, that's exactly what Jayco is. It's just a pay to play. <laughs> it's just it's just like playing at Gazari's mic and you have to buy a hundred tickets with your money as the band and then go yeah, sell yeah. them and then go sell them to other people. Because all Jayco does is make the cost of, of providing treatment go higher, <laughs> right? That's all it does. Yeah. That, well,
1: because there's so many more, there's so many things to, to leap over, so many more hoops to jump through that just don't make any sense and are time consuming and require more stuff like what, we, like what we've talked about before, you know, breaking it down to bare bones. I mean, 12-step has worked as well as any treatment center.
2: Yeah,
0: and nothing, if, nothing works as well as any treatment center also. There's new evidence to that. No, no, meaning there's new evidence and nobody, it's like we're living in Trump reality now. So if you hear facts that you don't like, you just say, that's fake news, that's fake. But they did a research over like, I think like a long period of time, like several years, people who just detoxed and went home and people who detoxed and went to long-term treatment. The numbers were exactly the same. (laughs) Now, I suspect that that research was done by the insurance industry.
1: Of course, (laughs) so that they could shorten stays. (laughs) Because when it went from 28 days to 90 days, they didn't like that one bit.
0: And all I'm saying, and follow where my madness is leading, proper assessment, proper assessment and strategic partnerships between treatment centers where you... The other thing is that every treatment center provides every kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know you like they specialized. Yeah, and this right. is this. Yeah, they they do millennials and young people and professionals tracking eating disorders and sex addiction and gambling and they're experts at it all at it all.
1: <laughs> Yay! They, they
0: fail ninety five percent of the time <laughs> at <laughs> all uh-huh. of it. <laughs> so my thought was, why don't we join a coalition like Aloe and and maybe Wavelengths and and Cry Help and all the places that I love and like and friends of mine work at and I, I think are just wonderful places, why don't we work together and say, hey, listen, when I get a client at, at, at Cry Help who's just an elitist entitled brat – like, I'll send them out to Aloe. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my. I don't think. <laughs> what? And then when I meet, when I have, like, a criminal type, you know what I'm I mean? Like, a, send a sociopath. It. Oh, no. Austin would cry out because, uh, because after a week, you know what treatment would probably most benefit the client. I'm always client benefit based. So just honest assessment. Yeah, yeah. but it, you can't do it in an hour screening over the phone. You know what I mean? Is like it even do an it? hour
2: screening over the phone? Uh, <laughs> well, I don't to know, get the I don't
0: insurance the authorization it is.
1: I don't know. Right? It, so.
0: so what I'm saying is maybe if we all joined together, and I don't know really what it looks like. It's just that I've been thinking about it the last couple of weeks because I heard some tragic shit in Orange County about some deaths. And then very dear friend of mine told me about some deaths day before yesterday and it just rocked my world because i i remember chuck i've been saying the death rate's going down death rate's going down we got to fold up our tent don't die needs to we've (laughs) accomplished our goal and and mike and i were talking last night and he's like well how is it that it's going down if five people (laughs) died that (laughs) that you know (laughs) yeah (laughs) so i don't know that it's going down I mean, it's going down in certain regions when they're putting a lot of resources, like Ohio, and I don't think West Virginia is going down, but Ohio definitely has made a, a really good dent in it. But uh,
1: the, how did they do that?
0: I think they have access to Medicaid treatment to low cost. Okay, you so know, the treatment to, there works. Yeah, yeah, but so they're reinforcing their their kind of existing nonprofit rehabs like Cry Help, I would think, and then getting police and social services people to help get people into treatment. And then Governor Kasich got funding from the federal government and from something else. And so they're getting treatment for the people. Maybe it's just a bait and switch. Maybe just the people are in treatment right now over this last 18 months, the money will run out and the death rate will go back up. Because really, hmm. it's the fentanyl that's causing a lot of the death and the stupidity. So when you have fentanyl and stupidity, you've got crisis.
1: But we but we don't have fentanyl with with the suicide. So we have somebody
0: with we, the, the stupidity ugh. is mixing benzos and opiates. That's right. the stupidity.
1: But that, you don't need that with fentanyl. All you need is I know. a presenics.
0: Yeah, but but so but I think a lot of a lot of the death is is. Um, interactive combos the old-fashioned stay away from that combo death and they're being told that in rehabs and being told that by anyone who knows anything about anything well
1: you know what's i know what i've noticed is that it used to be like just on the east coast it seemed like there were people that were coming in and testing positive for fentanyl and no opiates now it's here. but now i know of people that actually like that checkout high they're coming in. They prefer oh, yeah. fentanyl. They prefer to be dead. You're they right. prefer fentanyl to to any opiate. And That just doesn't make any sense to me. I've, I've never done fentanyl, but if it doesn't have that long euphoric ride that that I'm gives gonna you. I'm going to tell a rock
0: and roll story now, Chuck, and maybe people can understand it. <laughs> I was I was living with a very famous rock guitar player in a very famous band that a lot of people know that I'm associated with. I'm not gonna give his name because that would be gossipy. Well that's but neat. I but I well, think everybody I, I, I who let, could let that me see let me see if I can make it more clear. He's I just I probably he's the greatest guitar player I've ever seen in my life. Is it and, me? Oh wait no. no. <laughs> it's not you or Mike. But Mike knows him knows him very well, and I was living with him. Right. I was trying to keep him safe because he was kind of out of control. It was kind of my jo- de facto job as homeless friend to live with him and make sure that he didn't die. Yeah, There was nobody really making sure that I didn't die, right? So I was there to just, uh, all our friends thought, well, if Bob's there. I mean, it's not great i mean that's obviously hey, going to be drugs going on it's the canary but, in the coal mine but at least maybe right? he'll be able to yeah. like, you know, keep it all kind of under control which i did and then i was uh replaced later on by another friend of ours that was in felonious sponsor. so so you get this scenario so one night I, I, he says go get Dope, because I never knew when we were running out. <laughs> Go get dope. That was part of my job description. Okay, good. I went through HR. I had a background check. So track. personal assistant. <laughs> I was personal assistant. And the job was, it's about 10 o'clock at night, 11 o'clock at night, and he just starts panicking because we would buy large quantities of drugs, right? And, you know, in the daytime when you could buy large quantities <laughs> and large quantities were available and drug, you know, drug dealers were happy to provide large quantities but the, the late home, at they night like they're not anymore. big on the large quantities hmm. they're not big on answering their phone late at night the real dealers the you know the
2: yeah to them it's a real job
0: yeah they they're nine to five right and that's the least likely chance that you would get picked up after the sun goes down more likely to get pulled over if you've got four ounces right. of heroin in your car that's a bummer you yeah, let right? the street
1: urchins deal with it so, at that point.
0: So yes, so he goes, our friend, earlier described, says, go get dope. And I was like, okay, and then I got the money, and then I went to go get dope. I was driving a friend of mine's truck, who's also an actor that I'm associated with, another... He's another very famous person. You had so, a lot of friends. And he also told me, this is the only thing he told me, because I didn't have a car and he had like four cars. So he said, okay, you can drive the truck, but please don't take it into drug areas because it's registered in my name.
1: Okay. Right? <laughs> Ridiculous <laughs> request. <your Christ. laughs> what do you need the car for? Oh, uh... ah, Jesus.
2: It's like saying I'm going to loan you my lawnmower. Don't don't cut your lawn.
0: <laughs> i I can't even tell you how crazy it was. So literally for about three times downtown, I did park like a couple blocks up, but it's hard to find parking at Bonnie Bray and Third Street. <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard. There's a lot of apartments around there. You can't no, find parking. You, you
1: just got lazy like a serial killer. At first <laughs> you covered your tracks and then you're like, fuck
0: it. So, so I go, it was like 11, by the time I get down, there, it's like 12 o'clock at night in MacArthur Park cops everywhere I don't have a valid driver's license I'm driving the guy's car he told me don't go there I and I'm <laughs> copping on the street and I like I say ten balunas, ten balunas, like you have to yell loud, so they come running out of the apartment building. <laughs> and when they hear ten balunas, they all come running. <laughs> right? They get up all of a sudden. Yeah, they, if you say well, balunas, one bal two dos balunas, yeah, they're nobody, they it's really not twelve o'clock at night. Yeah. When you say ten, they come a running. Yeah. Nice. And so they're all out there, and they're on both sides of the truck, and I'm like, "Holy shit!" And I go, Roca, Roca, Roca! I wanted rock, too, crack, and that was just personally for me. <laughs> <laughs>
2: It's also good. Friends, that was great when they started doing that, you know. <laughs> when remember, you could get they,
0: both at one. Stop. Yeah, they, they didn't do that like in the beginning. <laughs> no, they didn't for years. Then, they didn't. You had to go to another bad part of town to get the crack. And but then to get eventually, you to come to they, them, they they eventually like Walmarted where they have smart. groceries yeah. inside the Walmart. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you like a sale go. item
2: or something. Yeah. like a bonus. Uh, remember,
0: remember when Walmart was like it was Walmart, but then all of a sudden they started having a grocery store inside. That's what this was like. All of a sudden, yeah. the heroin dealers were selling crack. It was the greatest thing ever, Again, right? Yeah. So, so eventually, I work it out. I get like uh, ten balloons and like five rocks, and I'm, I, I am on my way. So I get it right, and I now this truck had a Corvette engine in it, and it was it wasn't supposed to. It, ha- it was like an old 58 Chevy Apache truck. Okay, it's supposed to have a
1: 36-horsepower y- motor yeah.
0: it so, so anytime I stopped, I turned it off because it just vibrated, and you felt like the doors were going to fall <laughs> off. So I was stopped in the red in front of this apartment building on Bonnie Bray, and I started it up, vroom, vroom, and I backed it up right to get away from the car, and then I let the clutch out, and I went to the left, and something popped, and it just went Full throttle. It was the the throttle cable broke, and it Opened up all full on. Nice. Full on. Do you understand? Yeah a V8 Corvette engine going full on up Bonnie Bray at 12 o'clock at night. Smart. Like
1: So you pushed in the clutch <laughs> and turned it off, right? <laughs>
0: no, no, I didn't think of that. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, at first I just tried to start to steer it, right? And it's going up the street and it's just chaos. It's not, and not then, a cartoon, Bob. And I don't know. Mike knows the spot exactly between 6th and 3rd Street, Mike, on Bonnie Bray. It's steep. It's steep. And so I'm just hauling ass and the and the, car, the truck is almost lifting off the ground and it's kind of uphill. I can't even see where I'm going. Nice. And then I get the idea to turn the key off. Good. Whoosh. Right? Didn't uh, get the I idea to uh, put the clutch in. I don't know why. Because I think I didn't. It just was winding out like. Uh, uh, okay. You can't do that. You think it's going to blow up. Like you ever driven a car like that? Nope. They're not meant to be. Like
1: <laughs> it some, was ungodly. Some,
0: some meth head out in Victorville one day said he was looking at an old Corvette he had on his park on his, on his property, and he was and he looked at his truck and he thought I'm gonna fucking do that.
1: <laughs> that truck, well that motor, we gotta
0: put that meth motor inside that fucking truck. <laughs> I'm sure he didn't think, oh, I'd like to take that straight six you know and put it inside the corvette that's not what he was thinking Mm -hmm. so so anyway so i turn it off and it rolls right up to another red zone by the liquor store at the corner third and i'm like holy fucking i i don't have a flashlight and i'm panicked and cops coming and blah 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 and uh so then i open up the hood and i saw the the wire was just like all over the engine compartment the throttle cable right okay So then I figured it out. Holy fuck, and this is what I think. Went in. There was a toolbox behind the Went in, got a vice grips, pushed it through, got it and kinked it up so it stayed through the hole in the old Chevy floorboard. Pulled it. Snapped on the fucking vice grips. Started that motherfucker up and drove it back with holding on to the vice grips with the throttle cable. Steering and shifting
1: Good for you
0: That's a Do you think any of our clients Could fucking do that (laughs) Not one (laughs) (laughs) Not one could do that
1: Why didn't you call (laughs) triple (laughs) A
0: That's what I do Why didn't I call my mom I should have called my mom Your mom I should have called my mom right then Mom This is the truck That's all so so blown It's broken The truck why didn't he buy a real truck why didn't he put that engine in there so so i get i get back to the pad and we do the dope now you never know back then this is probably 93 1993 and they were starting you were starting to get good dope on the street because there were so many dope addicts once in a while you'd right, mike you'd hit a bag and you just go fuck yes
2: yeah right well, you know, they weren't yeah. scientists. They, <laughs> <laughs> they just cut it with like whatever knife they had in the kitchen. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and so so I um, so I did some, and I was like, oh, you can tell when it runs on the tinfoil because I was smoking it because I didn't want to shoot it because I had to keep I had to keep the other guy safe, right? Right such a waste. <laughs> so so it runs really perfect on the tinfoil when it's not cut because all the black crusty stuff is cut. This is went. yeah. Shoo. You know that feeling, Mike, when it just goes, shoo. yeah. Well, you remember that foil ball <laughs> Mike, I had. Mike <laughs> had a foil ball. Like, did you know as that big Pee-wee, as a basketball? This is what. This is what. Because that's become one of Chrissy's favorite things about you—the foil ball. So did you know because she's younger she grew up with Pee Wee Herman did you know about the Pee Wee Herman foil ball is that why you did it no I didn't know anything about
2: it. <laughs> but I, oh he did
0: he had a pee. yeah, yeah. Foil he had a foil ball
1: yeah, it, was, oh it was about God. six feet tall
2: yeah. you think he was blind? like you know
0: yeah tin foil I think he was mm, I don't know. we were talking about it. yeah. I guess why it could... would he keep a foil ball so Mike Martin had like literally the size of a basketball foil
2: <laughs> ball <laughs> nice I, after I was done i just wrap it on there yeah <laughs>
0: that's like just wanting to Wait be arrested second. he but, just wants to be arrested
2: what, that's why, like, why did you have a foil ball if you didn't smoke it I smoked it, smoke for, it. Like, I, Oh he's I was,
0: lying He no, smoked it like crazy I smoked it, for, I,
2: I smoked it for like a year I stopped shooting And I thought I was in recovery <laughs> 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 I thought I'm doing great man You
0: were doing that, great Because I had this true.
2: giant foil ball on my table He had I, a nice house
0: He had a nice house in Silver Lake <laughs> He, yeah, was, he was sober I was like, Chuck man, I was sober because I wasn't shooting <laughs> Good yeah, for you exactly, Mike dude. <laughs> Then he got weirder and weirder But that's a, another Story. story you got yeah. i think the crack takes over right oh the crack yeah oh, oh,
1: the crack. The crack. oh my god <laughs> one of the few things you don't need to shoot but i understand people are <laughs> you oh know
0: what's one of the times in that era too because i lived off and on silver lake hollywood for all that period from like 89 to 95 really and uh and you know you you used to always have to go. There was there was one spot in Hollywood, south of Sunset by Highland, right, Mike, that you yes. could get crack. Yep, and then. You had to go to Macarthur Park, but all of a sudden, one opened in Silver Lake. It was like it was like it was the second best thing that happened in Silver Lake. I remember when they was like getting
1: an In and Out when they
0: opened the ninety nine cent store. I was so excited. That's how excited I was that they opened a crack spot in Silver Lake. Very nice. That
2: street right down the street from Aloe, that Burns is where I used to score. Yeah,
0: that's the one that opened. That's the one that opened up. Was on Burns. Yeah, just just happened to be just happened to be
2: called Burns.
0: <laughs> but it was fun. right off of Hoover, so you didn't have to go to Macarthur Park, where Rampart District, where all the cops were. Are
2: you, th- are you talking about Macarthur
1: Park, like right off of Alvarado? Yeah. So okay, ma- down down by where Big scream was. Big scream was
0: down yeah there at yeah the yeah park Hotel. exactly yeah okay. Yeah. I've, but I've, on the other I've, side, wait wait, wait on the other side
2: of the park, Billy Preston's right. park. Billy Preston lived there in a tent for long. He was uh, homeless there oh, for a while. Oh, what That's a rocker! Sad.
0: Yeah, he died because of rehab. Yeah mm. <laughs> No I'm telling you I can tell you that story It's the saddest thing Jerry Garcia Harold Owens
2: told me this Did I ever wait, did I ever tell you When I, I played uh, The NA convention uh, Six months sober With Billy Preston And Mick Fleetwood In Long Beach At the Terrace The place that I worked You did? Work at. Yes. Did you do what? the
0: finger picking thing Or did you do no, the strumming? No I was doing the
2: whole <laughs> I, did the, I, did, I did the electric of thing Of
0: course you did
2: Because that's what
1: people the like
0: the picking thing. Oh okay No so, so I, but so get so get back to it. So I do this couple of oh, hits, couple right. of hits, and it's so good, right? Okay. For some reason, in my mind, I thought this is so good. You have to shoot some.
2: Oh, hmm. Right. Like, Do you, you ever get you, that d- feeling, you deserve Mike? it. About with everything that I ever touch,
1: <laughs> he, he gets up
0: with and Gatorade. Thought, I wonder if you can shoot this. <laughs> so I went and got one of my roommate's rigs and cleaned it out as best I could, and I did it, and apparently I just died. Right? Oh. Mm. So I... Somebody I was, was there? And I was... Well, the gentleman we're talking about was there, and it was known... <laughs> uh you know the idea of calling the police was out of the question a lot of times right you can call the police if you have a clean house but if you've got a drug infested 150 syringes everywhere but you can call crack, an ambulance. can you well anyway
2: and sometimes they'll just so no. well, he, now you can but you couldn't then
0: So, anyways, this is what I heard. Then later on, from my girlfriend Max, who was quite sophisticated in the drug world, started very early in life. And by the time I met her, (laughs) she explained to me what happened. That you really, when you really die, see, because I'd OD'd before, and Mike had OD'd. I resuscitated Mike from ODing; he wasn't breathing. hmm. I resuscitated him. But
1: he probably had a very faint heartbeat. Yes,
0: and you're glad you did. But when you really, when you really die, when you really you know, not there anymore, uh, things are released. Do you understand what right. I'm saying? Yes, they so you, are you fill your shorts. <laughs> oh, my so, God. So Poor that man. happened at this house. And Max all taught right. you that? Max? Max, Max yeah, because she had it happen. And uh, and <laughs> so that's the cat. The, the things that we're all calling ODs or dying or ODing or whatever, you still do have a faint heartbeat. You still do. You just... You're just you're going you, in the wrong yeah, direction right. for sure. Yeah. And that's why Narcan would work in the old days. I mean, I had friend, I carried Narcan with me. A friend of ours said, you you know, you should probably have this. And I was, and it was a loaded syringe with a cap on it. A, a regular orange diabetic. Syringe. I go, "What is that?" And he goes, "It's um it's Narcan. You just shoot it shoot it into anybody that ODs. Anyway. Wow. That's what he said. Shoot it into them anywhere. Old I said school. anywhere. Yep. Wow. Right. This is before everybody saw it in uh, Pulp Fiction. So <laughs> well, that was so, adrenaline. I think that was a whole so other trip. So I wake up. I wake up in my own release. <laughs> nice. <laughs> right. Yeah. And and uh, and it shocked our friend because he had already understood that I was not there anymore. I was I was in heaven. And you could tell <laughs> that he, however long I had been out, he had been trying to figure out what to do all by
1: himself. <laughs> Probably <laughs> running a quick circle. Yeah, quick circle. Oh, there go. he is. Okay, Still okay. there. Oh, there what, he do is. I do? what do I do? What do I do? What do I do?
0: When you phone, have a door, dead body, what do you do?
1: Door, body, phone, door. <laughs>
0: do, you, do you call somebody? <laughs> Who do you call? Who do you call? Uh,
1: Ghostbusters.
0: <laughs> you can't call any of your friends because no. they're going to go, what the fuck, dude? So well,
1: now I hope anybody that's listening to this knows you call nine one one and call you call
0: nine one one and they don't immediately do nothing.
1: They, they will come and they will pick up the person if they need resuscitation, they resuscitate I like,
0: them. The little kicker of it all, and I know it's bad and I know there's pers- people being prosecuted that it's a it's a damn shame, but they are so adamant about calling when somebody is OD'd that they are now prosecuting people who don't call. How fucking mm. crazy is wow. that? so right? i yeah i
2: mean i could see that shit yeah that pretty much sign in their deaths that'll motivate
0: I, everybody
1: if you're if you're watching someone drown and you allow them to drown i guess you could be a party to it is yeah that, is that the no, same there's way?
0: some there yeah there's some law like the good samaritan law it's called
1: well the good samaritan law is they're not going to prosecute you if you call
0: no that but there's another one that if you don't act
1: so it's the bad Samaritan. <laughs> <That's> bad Samaritan <laughs> law. It's called the you law. <laughs> <You're> Call nine one one. Everybody a has dick. a phone. I Everybody,
0: like you law. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So, anyways, so so that that was dope that hit the street that was strong that i did experience and for some reason and this is gets back to your fentanyl point why do they want to be on fentanyl Mm -hmm. there's a little bit of that junkie that i had in that moment when i knew how strong the dope was i just wanted to shoot and i only shot probably half of a bag half of a 20 dollar bag and died so Mm. it's been going on so there is that part of junkies that like oh it's really good I want to I want to do it all the way and I want to be really, really high.
1: Right, I, I get Maybe that. Maybe
0: it's that the kids who like the fentanyl just like being really, really high. Or m- we keep saying because they're so hard to understand and they have poor communication skills and poor personal understanding of themselves, they keep saying they don't want to exist, but is that just their language for want to be really, really high?
1: For, for, or for pay attention to me. I don't know. I don't know what's trying to be said. I wish we could find <laughs> out. I wish there was some way to be able to get into or or a platform for these people to talk so that they could be understood because we're we're not going to get through to them by locking them up. We're not going to get through to them by forcing them into treatment when they don't want to go into treatment. We're not going to get through to them by putting them on the streets because they don't do well on the streets. They're not cut out for it, the majority of
2: them. Well, there's also a personality that just wants wants to get as high as possible. Because I remember because Robin, he was- because he Robin
0: wanted to get so high. He was so close to death. That's how he always wanted to be. But well, but also, say, in Robin's case, in my case, like if I would have been wasted high instead of stopped breathing, I would have smoked some crack and been right back around. Right? Robin shot speedballs all the time. That's what he was into. And came close to death all the time. Yeah. Like that was, was his big, ultimate high. He was a big guy. So let's talk about Robin. So Robin was a friend of Mike's. And
2: <clears> yeah, everybody knows. And because- then
0: he became he kinda used my house. My house was like drug central headquarters. So it was the greatest <laughs> it was the greatest time of my life, may I say, Chuck. Because I lived right at like Fountain and Gardner, which all the like successful musicians lived in the Sunset Strip, like up behind the whiskey and Canyon hills, yeah. and stuff okay. like that and all the unsuccessful musicians lived in east hollywood like like ivar and whatever right right so, so there was two locations. i was in the middle like i've always been i'm not a failure and i'm not successful <laughs> i'm always in the middle
2: yeah but you know what your house was bob like if you scored down in west hollywood from those cats on the friends yeah, guys the french guys, the the french fr- guys. Yeah, if you
0: scored down you there, could come to my house your and house used. yeah
2: because your house was close it was the closest place to
0: shoot that's up. what i'm saying why yeah. it was so great Right, so so Robin started using it as a hideout spot. Right, I think he was even (laughs) hiding from Mike because he didn't want to give Mike free dope. (laughs) (laughs) No, he
2: uh, he had so much money and stuff.
0: Yeah, but he started. I think where did he live? He lived on the backside of Laurel Canyon, right? He lived like in. Yeah, he had a something.
2: big house up there with a so, pool and cars so he, and a Playboy bunny. For
0: some reason, he would use my house. He would just show up. like, And you got to understand, Robin Crosby from Rap was like six foot seven tall. He was a big what? guy. He was like six foot seven. So he would you know i i never locked my front door and i would and it went right into this living room area and i would be sitting there getting higher watching tv or drinking or whatever and he the door would just open and this mountain of a man would just be standing <laughs> in the set, and the light was on the back patio behind on the patio behind him so it just lit him up like like x-men yeah, or something really. like and he was there just was a reason why they in. called
2: him robin king crosby because he, yeah, he was a
0: giant he was a giant guy and he would come in and it was one of the greatest moments because I knew when you're rolling with 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 Robin, it's not like gonna be four hours. It's gonna be four days. Yeah, <laughs> like not kidding. Like the right, Mike. Yes,
2: exactly. Yeah, well, you you would just indulge and. And indulge and indulge.
0: So we're sitting there one night, and he's sitting in my den area that had this little couch and TV. And he didn't like sports, but he was he was shooting coke and like getting high or whatever. And we're I was in the living room, kind of walking back and forth, making sure he's safe. Another see, always the Aww. kind one, always the kind one, always in the middle, always and always the, care, the heart heart caregiver. Other. So checking to so, see if he drops something. And yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, dude, I need to go to the liquor store do you have any money that was one of my favorite lines because they'd always give you 20 bucks you buy a a 40 ounce a 40 ounce budweiser and you got 19 bucks (laughs) for when they're gone right so so robin so the basketball game's on in there and he just looks up as i'm walking in the room and he goes where is that basketball game at and i said it's detroit pistons and bulls or something it's, it's salt palace in in detroit and he goes what day is it and i go i don't know whatever day it was wednesday and he goes and he had the sigh of relief right and and uh He was playing the salt palace on Friday, (laughs) but he had no idea what day it was. And I think in that moment he was thinking, okay, they're playing a basketball game there tonight. So I'm not due there tonight, but if it's tomorrow, that's going to be a rough one. But then it was in two days. He was relieved, like, oh, okay, we got oh, shit, I got time.
1: So, uh, <laughs> so this is obviously before everybody was all cell phoned up. I mean, that was what a different world where you could be left alone and for hiding. Four days. had there been cell phones, your place wouldn't have been a safe place.
0: But then there was many times where other people would hide out, and then their girlfriends would come looking for them at my house, and literally. Just come in the door and go, fuck you, Bob. Where is he? And I'd be like, I don't know what you're talking about. And a and very you know very cool musician was hiding under my bed. Remember the bed was in the living room, Mike. Yeah, he, like a friend of ours was hiding under the bed. <laughs> and she didn't even look under there. I was like, I haven't seen him. Literally, we were. Yeah, he was here all night last night, but he went somewhere else. Now, she, how did
2: you get? How did you get from the main house that was right on the corner, I just and then moved to the upstairs? Along.
0: It was it was a rock and roll story. So the original <laughs> the original corner house was Laurie Patterson, my first wife's house. Yeah, and that's right? where the Monster started. No, no, no. We started in the second house. You were so high, Mike. No, <laughs> oh my God. Hey, no, 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 no. Because
2: I I came to rehearsal. We wrote.
0: Um, so what if I did in that house?
2: Yeah, we wrote a song in that living room there and Bill Stobow was still alive. You guys rehearsed in that Yeah, that was the second
0: house. That was the first house on the corner. No, it wasn't. Oh, maybe we rented. Yes, we rented the bedroom. Uh We rented the bedroom for my ex-wife. Did you see that, Chuck? I won that one. He won that one.
1: (laughs) should I write it down or will it happen again? It's
0: It's going to happen again because... Because I don't even think it was Lori Patterson's house anymore. I think it was her friend Tony's house. And Lori had moved out of that front bedroom. And then I said, I'll rent it. And the and but I didn't have a job or any money, so then the band had to rehearse in there and get the band to pay for it. (laughs) And and understand this: this is in the prime of West Hollywood. That house probably now is four thousand dollars a month. I think I paid two fifty a month for the bedroom. So the yeah, you walked in in the the bedroom was was to the right. Yeah, to the right. That's where we rehearsed. And so we rehearsed in there. But then remember, we rehearsed in the second house. So then I'm living there, and the band's rehearsing there. And there's the most wonderful girl in the world lives in the second house. Sabrina Judge, her name was. It still is, I'm sure. Right. <laughs> so are you getting
2: this, Chuck? He moves yeah. next moved, door so after in, he breaks up with Lauren. Yeah.
0: So I <laughs> the He must the first have liked wife. the area. You and, like the schools so in the area or something? In. What then was I it? Then I moved in with Sabrina into the second house. Then we broke up, and I moved into the upstairs apartment above the garage. God, I, yeah. Lived yeah. That, I lived on that. I lived on that corner for nine years. Yeah,
2: that was a that was a good corner. And that's man.
0: where all the great songs were written. That's where all of next Saturday afternoon was written. And, and then the studio was down. The in written. the garage. Yes, and we moved the studio to the garage. And Keith Morris lived in the other garage, remember? Yes. Hmm. So so that was, what was the Keith prime doing? of living my in the life. Garage. But the best part of it was is yeah, a like
2: famous punk rock star living in the garage.
0: Right. It was crazy. So so, but we fixed it up. We got carpeting and we wood paneled the walls and whatever. Love wood panel. It was nice for a garage. <laughs> yeah, it was nice for a garage. So, so but what fountain was the way to get to the yeah the good drug dealers? Did Keith West come Hollywood. up and
2: use your bathroom?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh shit! And Rob lived in the monster truck around the corner on the corner, and he used the bathroom there too. Oh. So, so it was a very crowded bathroom. One bathroom for like Keith Morris, Rob Graves, and me. And mm. whatever drug addict musician is hanging well, out and with. And Sabrina. And no, no, we had broken up. When I lived upstairs, she didn't oh, okay. live up there. Okay. So so, so get this. So the, the poor, or un, whatever you want to call it, unsuccessful musicians on the <laughs> east side yeah. that were smart, like, say, Hillel Slovak from Chili Peppers, mm-hmm. they would be driving down Fountain to go meet the good drug dealers in West Hollywood, the French guys, and then, the and then I would be out watering my lawn. I see Hillel's white Mustang go that way. And he'd wave to me. I would just sit on my front porch until he was out the light garden <laughs> and wave him down. Like, stop on in, buddy. Stop on in. Now, you would do that with Hillel because he was so kind and methodical and kind of organized and whatever. You didn't do that with Anthony Kiedis. If you saw Anthony Kiedis going west, you just hid because you didn't want him to know you were home because he was the all-time champion of craziness yeah he really Hmm. was And, and you know like i'm desperate for free drugs when anthony was driving by with his girlfriend jennifer i would be like Oh, God, I hope he didn't see me. Oh, God. I gotta, and then I would think, I got to lock up the house and get out of here. And sometimes I would lock up the house and get out of here and come back. I'd walk down to Okie Dog at Santa Monica Boulevard, hang out there, eat, <laughs> drink beer, and walk up, and he would be in my house.
1: <laughs> he found his way in. He found his way so in. So there was a time when you couldn't shake him.
0: You cannot shake Anthony Kiedis back then. No, no, no. And But then, you know, it was the funnest times. But I, I really believe that abstinence isn't for a lot of these kids can't we find a, a safer way or if we're gonna insist on abstinence for them can't we after a week or two when it's not working at wavelengths or aloe or or you know other friends of mine at paul's and chelle's places can not we say hey why don't you have a shot at this kid right yeah this isn't working this you isn't know. working right
1: reciprocity is a good thing yeah, we've had but it with a couple of places.
0: I know how the recovery industry works. Everyone would have to trust each other that it would be returned in kind. Right. Right? So in the old days, when I first started, it, you just did that. And it was known. And everybody did the right thing. Harold Owens ran Music Hairs, I ran MAP. Um, Diane Baker ran Cry Help. Uh, Patricia Meyer ran Promises. And we constantly... And uh, Jim Stillwell, but actually, this weird musician guy ran uh, the ma- the musician program at Impact, and we constantly would would hand patients back and forth. It's not working. This guy is doesn't, uh, inappropriate for loss and sinus, and they would be handed off to to cry help and hmm. they would do the same thing like Yeah, there do- was a
2: there was a code back then. There was a code before I think before Timmons started getting paid for what he did which yeah, everybody Timmons. was shocked that he was taking money to do this stuff. And then like Buddy Arnold, the old school people, uh, uh, you know, Jimmy Wood, all these people man that you know, would just do anything to help a person get sober. Yeah,
0: Jimmy Wood an angel on earth. Right? He'll, he'll mean, thousands of guys. Thousands yes. for yes. no money. No, no money. Mo- no money. I know that for a fucking fact, not a dime, and and then so there was the he, Dallas so it, Taylors and the Bob Timmons of the world that kind of invent, they kind of made it okay that you make money off of it, right? And then now there's just minions of them, of which I am one, right? But well, I, not exactly. Well, I t- I tried to do the right thing, but it is a yes. strange industry. It is a hell of a balancing act on best days, isn't it? To be successful in, right? I right. just went Chuck to, hit the
2: nail on the head. It's a balancing act, and you you know you balance it well. I mean, I think I'm just saying my opinion. I you know? try listen, to listen. If, if if speaking out and telling the truth is wrong, then fuck it. You know what
0: I mean? <laughs> Look at Mike.
2: Mike. <laughs> I mean, no, really. If you can if you can help a uh, hundred people and five of them get sober and get well and and help other people along the
0: way, I think it's done its job. Really. Right. Right. I I no, I I. Did Mike just praise me? So two, yes. two crazy things happened on this podcast. Mike was right, oh, and was he right. was just... Praising me, wow! This is, we got to end it right there. Yeah, you that, know what? We don't want to fuck this up. <laughs> this Thanks t- for listening.
1: Thanks for listening. See
2: you next tell, time. So till so next, we'll I'll do, take it. That uh, was the uh, greatest was, podcast that, ever that in was, the world.
0: We just got along. This is frightening. Wow! Uh, is it? Is, I love you guys. Is Mercury and retrograde. I think it's a
1: sign of the apocalypse. <laughs> Chuck, it's I want really really nice to say goodbye to, to my family. Oh my god!
0: Oh my god! I got a Twitter feed. Trump just resigned. Oh my god! Awesome. Oh my god!
2: Don't die.